Hi, you're listening to Queensland Theatre's Quality Time podcast. This week, our artistic director, Lee Lewis, sat down with our database trainer and supervisor, Rory Killen. Rory has worked in arts database management for over a decade. In his role, he maintains the systems that help us connect with our audience so that through time, we can better understand and accommodate their needs. In fact, it was Rory who helped to rebuild our ticketing system during COVID to assist our patrons through the cancellation, donation, credit and refund of their tickets. It's the geekier side of a theatre company, but just like the rigging of a set, an essential part of the logistics of putting on a show. Enjoy! Lee Lewis and I'm the Artistic Director here at Queensland Theatre and you are joining us for another Quality Time podcast. I'm very excited to be able to introduce to you today the bookings and tickets guru that is secretly kept inside this company. I was actually a little bit, uh, I I was a little bit nervous about introducing him to the world because the last thing I want to have happen is for him to be headhunted by a bigger company because really, Rory, you are the the, the brains that sit behind how we put a season together and offer it out to our audience. And you have been in the hot seat, my friend, this year it's with all of the with all of the COVID interruptions and every company trying to figure out how to undo subscription seasons. You know, you're part of the wave of people that will understand a booking system more than anyone else on the planet. Is mm. that true? It's been really interesting, <laughs> I think, this year. But I mean, I've appreciated how we've approached it and how our leadership has approached it with, um, we haven't launched into cancelling everything. We've been slower and steadier and calmer, I think, here than other companies have who have launched. Oh, oh okay. Which has made the process simpler, I think, for us. Oh, okay. So because we sort of tried to, to go slowly and see what would happen and only cancel a little bit at a time, hmm. that's been easier from your point of view to I handle? Think so. oh, I think okay. communications may be a little bit more complex, but we haven't cancelled everything and we've been able to hang on to more ticket buyers which has set us up really well for the year ahead. Okay. Oh, the year ahead. Mm. We're in the middle of that conversation, of course, because even though we're shut down at the moment, Mm. we're starting to see glimmers of possibility opening up. We're all Mm. starting to figure out how we manage the venues safely. Mm. And so we're heading forward, hopefully, towards having a production on stage at the end of the year and launching a 2021 season, which means putting together a whole new system, Mm. which is a lot more flexible than what we've done in the past. Now, I'm just going to backtrack a tiny bit before we get into the details of that because what most people at home wouldn't know is that there is a big underlying ticket system that a lot of the companies around the country and around the world have started to use in the last 10 years called Tessitura. Mm. Uh, And it's sort of this magic theatre code word for uh, a a customer customer management system. Customer relationship management. Yeah. So it's the system that manages all the information that we have about people who buy tickets, people who we talk to, different donors, different sponsors. So all of that information is managed by this one system and all of the companies have it. We don't share that information, obviously, but because we all work with the same systems, it allows us when we do things like co-productions to match up our selling processes more easily. To collaborate. Yeah. I think it's interesting to think about, talking about what Tessitura is as software and as a network is fascinating but it might be worthwhile to start at what is customer relationship management. And it's got an acronym, of course, CRM, 
uh, customer relationship management or CRM, which is what I do, is... So that's your... your, your, your what is your actual real title oh, apart from my, guru? My official title is database supervisor, oh, whatever that oh, means. Yeah. Guru. Look, guru is fine. <laughs> um, and it's interesting. I actually had a recent uh, meeting with colleagues from around the country and we all agreed that it was so difficult to actually communicate in a concise way what we do because customer relationship management is such a diverse thing and a diverse beast. And Tessitura is our software and our community that facilitates that. So CRM is how you manage your relationships with customers and you often have a database that supports that. A lot of companies do CRM, you know, the classic example being Facebook where they stalk everything you do. But I think what's interesting about Queensland Theatre is that even though we're using a very unhuman thing like a database, which is so impersonal in its nature, we're tracking relationships that are genuinely one-to-one. -one. We're on almost a first-name basis with our subscribers and we have a real relationship. So we're not letting a, a computer program do the job of actual relationship mm. for us. That's just sort of a complex filing system so exactly. that we don't lose information. Mm over years, because it used to be hived, that capacity used to be hived in individual people in companies, Absolutely. didn't it? Like it was and be the, lost over time. And, and if someone left, mm. then that relationship information is lost. So mm. now we're actually trying to take care of people better, which is essentially what this software allows us to yeah. do, right? So, because CRM as can be considered a, a software, it's yeah. also a strategy. Okay. So our customer relationship management strategy is organisation-wide. I don't do that, I support it, uh, but that happens with our ticket selling agents, our philanthropy care people, even with your programming, how you program a season, considering what people are going to want to see, what we want to share with them, is part of that strategy. I sit in that software side that supports and um, augments that. I think if you think about where Tessitura came from, yeah. it's also fascinating. Yeah, where um, did it come from? It grew out of the Met Opera in, I think, the early 90s, ah. where they wanted, they had ticket selling systems and they had systems where they could take a donation but they had no place to actually look at it in one place. And it was just Excel spreadsheets everywhere. And they thought, well, this is an obvious problem. Let's just get a piece of software that has ticket sales, donations, emails that we've sent customers all in one place. But it didn't exist. And so they set out and being the Met Opera, they had the resources and the capability sure. to do that. They Metropolitan also had, Opera is like one of the biggest arts organisations in the world, really, isn't it? Massive. Its reach is extraordinary. Incredible, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they also had some very smart people there as well mm -hmm. as having great resourcing. But they, they built this piece of software uh, for themselves, um, quite humbly, and then some other organisations heard about it and they thought, oh yeah, we'll share that with you. And it's gradually grown into this massive global thing. If you didn't know better, you would think that Tessitura was a uh, smart, savvy, modern e-commerce corporation. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's what makes it so different and so fascinating is, it's, is it, it is itself a not-for-profit organisation that's bubbled out of the Met Opera. And all arts organisations who are network members are kind of like shareholders. We all, every year we vote on how the software should evolve over time. Our, our executive directors, our, um, our leaders sit on the board of Tessitura. Uh, even though it's its own organisation, we're very much a part of that organisation. And there's like little conferences and things like Absolutely. that as well for the development of knowledge and the sharing of knowledge. Because of course, around the world, uh, there are people who work with this the, as a piece of equipment, mm. but then instinctively develop their own ways of, of you're doing more with it and then people get together and share that information mm. and that then helps to make the, the actual technology better. Absolutely. One thing I find fascinating is uh, I talk a lot with my colleagues from other companies and we can talk about how we do things, but not, not in an abstract way. We can talk about the exact buttons that you click to achieve an outcome and that's super valuable to be talking with my colleagues at larger organisations or at small organisations, organisations in the US. How are you doing it? Uh, in particular with our response to coronavirus, yeah. we've been able to share specifically how we're doing it in a 
as a, as a software approach or, or a technical approach, but it facilitates more than that. It brings together organisations uh, who share a similar way of working uh, and we can share knowledge that goes beyond just the Tessitura software. So for example, recently I had a catch up with my colleagues where we talked about very technical things, very nerdy things, it was quite fun, but it was uh, very much lost in the weeds of how, how software works as it mm -hmm. was meant to be. But also I've recently participated in a forum with um, arts marketers where the software wasn't mentioned and was irrelevant to the conversation. This was simply members of this network of organisations who all use this software, coincidentally, who have been brought together nonetheless and who now know each other and can talk to each other about um, how they do business. And in this case, the conversation had nothing to do with Tessitura, the software. It was just about how, we, um, how they were engaging, in this case, with social media, for example. So it brings organisations together. It's been interesting. Interesting you talked about that, that thing about um, ticket selling and then donations. And the, somewhere in the, the 1990s, the way that the penny dropped, that mm. actually there is a real continuum from mm. people buying a ticket into the greatest donors and philanthropists who support the mm. support an organisation, and how do you keep the, how do you bring that information together? And now, of course, as that's actually about how do we communicate about the whole idea, the way marketing has come into that tessitura space as well, mm. and how it's actually growing. But fascinating to think of it, it; it's not a company with an ambition to then go on and do other things. It's it's really dedicated to arts communication, really now. Yeah. And if you aren't yourself a not for profit arts organisation, you can't get this software. Yeah. It is just for uh, our, our sector and is dedicated to our sector on a global, multinational level, which is, um, I think, a really exciting model. And what has it been like for you? Yeah. I know as an, as an artistic director of a, a theatre company, it's been a fascinating time to be genuinely in the same place as every theatre company around the world. What's it been like from your end? Because as you're talking to people around the world, in the past, you know, the way they do things in America is kind of different. The way they do things in Germany is kind of different. So you kind of have to translate it back into the circumstance we're in. Mm, yes. But this year, it's been exactly the same problems, which has meant the global conversation has been kind of amazing. How, it has what's been, been amazing. your experience? It's, it was interesting. I think when the first um, wave of cancellations hit, that hit uh, at, different, at a different tempo in different places. Uh, and I think initially there was every organisation reacted alone and I don't think I talked much with my colleagues. And that was that initial reaction, mm -hmm. you know, that... We can't we have, do a show. We have a show tonight, we're cancelling it. Uh, but almost immediately, within a week of those first waves of cancellations coming out, we started... Emails started going around, you know, that, that little trickle of, mm -hmm. hang on, I'm going to take a breath now, what are you doing and how are you approaching this problem? Uh, and rapidly, uh, in this case, the network, the Tester Network facilitated pulling our forum together. I was actually involved at the time when cancellations were rolling out with organising our annual Australian conference, participating in content coordination uh, when we were cancelling. And rapidly that physical conference that was to be in Sydney pivoted to an online conference and it got pulled forward from rather than happening in September, we were going to start doing it now because we needed to talk to each other now. Uh, and we were able to share how we were approaching the cancellations. Uh, a tool got developed and was rapidly disseminated through organisations almost virally, everyone adopted this application that could suddenly now uh, more efficiently cancel tickets. So, so rather than doing it one by one. Because the, the actual, the software, if you like, wasn't really engineered to refund no. a huge amount. No. Refunds are like a one-off kind of thing because someone couldn't make it that night and that was a big problem. It's fascinating right? what you encounter. To actually reverse engineer mm. the whole thing to do it en masse. What happened? Well, errors. You know, it's surprising yeah. what goes wrong. Um, 
uh, when you're suddenly doing something that's just the opposite direction. You would think a refund is just like a sale, right? With just money going the other yeah, way. Yeah, I would. But, right. but no. Uh, th things just started going wrong. We start getting errors. Um, you start losing track of money. It's going off in different directions. You think, okay, let's pull back. You know, tracking a sale is actually quite different to tracking giving money back. So we're able to, uh, drawing on our resources mm -hmm. of the community, uh, put in place a, a really robust framework for how we're going to manage it. And we're able to bring it under control, this mammoth project process. Uh, and it's interesting, I was talking about the unhuman database and the human outcome. Through this process where all of a sudden we're refunding 20 to 30,000 tickets, it's, it's, you can lose sight of the individual. We were able to put in place on every, um, every one of our subscribers, every one of our customers, uh, an individual plan for how we were going to take care of them. Uh, so en masse, in bulk, we could achieve the personal and the caring and, and retain that, that connection to the individual and ensure that every individual was shepherded to the, to the conclusion of getting their, their money refunded or if they wanted to make a donation or see another show when we're back on stage. Which is quite, it was quite surprising, wasn't mm. it, the number of people that were willing to make a donation Incredible. to the company. And I don't think it was just about that was the easiest thing to do because mm. we were really facilitating a, a refund mm. process. Mm. And I found that deeply moving mm. as, a, as an artist that people were going, no, it's okay, we understand that you're in this hideous position, mm. have it as a donation. But having to build that into what we were able to process as well was a completely different pathway. Yeah, it was a bespoke web pathway. Yeah. Uh, and again, that, that goes to that problem of we have a system that's designed to sell tickets. You're suddenly trying to track, well, hang on, how do you want to get your money back? There was nothing on our website that ask that question. So there was a bespoke build yeah. to, um, to ask that question and to track that from customers. The donations though, the, the, the number of people giving was just tremendous, uh, the support. And it was, I find it always interesting, the, the support and who it's coming from, where for some people, the amount of their cancelled tickets might've been $40, right? Mm -hmm. But they were giving that full amount and in individual circumstances, that's quite a significant amount, particularly in the yeah. uncertain times. Um, but it's also not just the donations. I think the optimism of, of customers who maybe couldn't afford to give that money up, but who said, no, hang on, you hang on to that money as a credit and I'll I'll, 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 I'm going to come and support you. Whenever you have a show. I'll be back. I'll, I'll be back, which is, is amazing. So then we had to figure out how to hold on to mm. that across time mm, mm. and what to do with that. So again, this building of, uh, uh, you know, a whole new time worth of needs. Mm. And I suppose the interesting thing for me now is that what we're realising Mm. is that we're going to be with corona thinking until there is a vaccine that's safe enough for people to have that is distributed. And so we're talking about years, yeah. possibly. Mm. And we're just in that phase now of starting to, to, I'm starting to say five years out loud, which is quite scary. It is scary. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and we might, you know, for people listening 50 years from now, mm. you might go, oh my God, and that was the 20 year virus. And How that's, did when they we, that's when we pivoted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This was, and that's why I was really interested in having this conversation with you now, because you kind of go 50 years from now, what the hell happened at that time? And what were people doing? And uh, that question about how we document this time, it is an extraordinary shift in thinking. Mm. Uh, and we're right in the middle of it. So we don't know if we're standing stupid as mm. we make predictive thoughts or, uh, yeah, I always think no one ever thought they were fighting the Hundred Year War. They were just fighting the little war that they were in. It was in front of them. Yeah. So I kind of, uh, that sits in the back of my head. So I'm not, while I'm not willing to say this is a Hundred Year virus that we're going into, I've started saying the word five years. Well, it's going years. to be a, a long time. And it's a way of thinking where the situation has challenged us into thinking about our relationships with audience in ways that we haven't. Uh, what our responsibility to them is and mm. how we take care of them over time, how we communicate with them over time. And of course now we're looking at, as we start to put together the idea of what a 2021 season can be, when 
you know, for, my, for our audience, their experience is that there really hasn't been a 2020 season. So what is our trust relationship with them? How do we communicate with them? How do we, how do we create a season where we go out and launch it, say, say November, which is at the moment on our paper. Tentative, yep. tentative we, we will be launching a 2021 season in, in November. We will have, if, if we're doing that, there will be a show going on uh, in the, uh, that one of, the, one of the shows that we would have programmed this year. And that'll be in the Bill Brown, and maybe we'll have a, a work over at QPAC as well. So we'll just be starting to get back. But everybody in the country knows that we could take steps backward. Mm, absolutely. You know, our, our international borders are closed. Mm. So as soon as those open, you know, even if we've done really well, there, there might be a, a, like an You're infection again. You're only six weeks away from shutting right. down. Yeah. So how do we build a sort of flexibility in next year so that we're not caught in the same unprepared place because I don't think that would be okay from our audience point of view. Like. This is where when I start talking, I might use language that sounds wrong because I find this problem so interesting and so fascinating. I find it to be an exciting problem. Of course, it's in a terrible time. Sure, but, but when you're working- It's an exciting but, problem. But isn't it fascinating to actually be in a time when you, the decisions that you make will help to shape- Yes, uh, the future. The future of the company and the future of, of company audience relationships so you kind of go it's it's not often that you actually get to try out big things yeah and yeah. the way that we're reimagining how tickets will be sold is so dramatic uh i think the outcome is going to be the same in that you're going to have people who love us in our theater enjoying a show great mm -hmm. but the path from registering your interest to being in that theater is going to be a curvy one particularly for subscribers when they'll be um committing to our season, they're the great risk takers, mm -hmm. they'll see our shows, uh, to, but yet we don't know what the situation will be in July, September, October. And we don't know what, what we are imagining at the moment that will work mm. um, and things that won't work and what audiences will like and not like in that, in that relationship that they have with us. We'll learn a lot of information next year. We'll learn a mm. lot about our behaviour, audience behaviour, artist behaviour, all of those sorts of things. So there's a huge amount of anticipating learning a lot more. Mm. We don't have models for all of this. We're actually inventing models. And it's not often that you're in a time when you're genuinely doing that. And also, this is back to that international thing where around the world, people don't know how to do this. No. So it's not like other people do know and we don't. It's like we're genuinely inventing it. We're the reinventing the wheel for, for a good reason. Yeah, yeah. for a good reason. Yeah. And we, have to, we want and have to make it work mm. as an industry. And we also go, we'll learn next year, it might, it will evolve again the following year after that. There is no going back, if you like, mm. because essentially this opportunity has allowed us to do to tr and try a lot of new things as well. We know we're, as a company, we're going to put out a digital season next year, which is a different path and experience again for audiences. So essentially... Queensland Theatre is going national next year. Yeah, because you're going to you can be, be able to in subscribe Perth and be a subscriber. A subscriber in Perth, you Final can be in Queensland Adelaide. Yeah, and easily, more easily see our shows. Yeah. So yes, it's great from a, a regional Queensland mm. point of view, but I also just went, oh, so essentially we're becoming national in our storytelling mm. for the first genuine time. And you mm. kind of go, okay, so what do we do with that? Mm. Uh, and what will that? We can do it, and I'm looking forward to it. But what it will mean and how people will respond and how we build on that, because again. We're not going to go back from that. Mm. Uh, it, it'll morph and change shape and at some point, bah, ha, ha, we're going global. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, yeah, there'll be international subscriptions. But what mm. does that mean for an arts audience around the world? Yes. 
You know, yeah. suddenly, you know, if, and if I'm thinking it, every other theatre company thinking is thinking it. Also, it. Yeah. So by the time that starts to happen and I start going, well, I can just subscribe to this company in Germany. I can subscribe to that company in Chile. You know, I can start to follow those, those theatre practitioners who I've only ever really read about. Mm. I can start to see their works. Mm. And you start to go, that becomes really interesting. And so, the, the, like, I understand what you mean about there are some, the words are wrong, feel wrong. It's really interesting. I keep going, oh, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And it doesn't mean that I'm not like every other human who's, you know, badly affected by this time that we're in. But the problems themselves are kind of extraordinary. And some of them are problems that you've been dying to sink your teeth into. And now is the time to do it. Yeah. For example, like a digital subscription. I also find it interesting how there's um, a certain extent of back to the future. Uh, we're talking about reinventing the wheel, but a lot of that can be looking at, uh, we can rely on what's worked and what works well. Next year, we're going out essentially with a plan that says we will only have 50% houses. So we're only, we'll be seating half the number of people in the Bill Brown space. And we may not have enough seats for all of the people who want to come see the show. And that's in, quite scary. <laughs> in Brisbane, you're used to being able to turn up to the Bill Brown Theatre or the Playhouse and that there is a seat available Maybe it's at the back towards mm -hmm. the edge, but still a great view. But of course, in Bill Brown, there is no oh, bad there, seat. So Yeah, I sat <laughs> on the edge of the back row. It's been brilliant. But uh, I think that will be an interesting um, dynamic, especially if we're in a protracted period of reduced capacities of how our audiences interact with us. And I don't know how, it's gonna, how that cookie's going to crumble. Either we're going to see people will have an inclination to book later because they want to wait to see what, what the situation mm -hmm. is like before they commit. But will there also be a competing pressure to book earlier? Because so that you do guarantee that you get a seat if it happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, look, that's interesting. And again, it's behaviour-wise. We don't know how people are going to behave or who's going to go one way or another. Mm. And we won't know until we go out with our season and see who decides to subscribe. Absolutely. But, but yeah. yeah, that question about not enough seats for the people who want to see theatre is kind of heartbreaking. Uh, and we have to figure out a way around it. Yeah, and I think it will be the case that Everyone who wants to see the show will be able to see the show. You know, when we're not turning people. We will find a way. We'll find we'll, a way. Look, we've talked. We're already talking about doing longer seasons. Exactly. You know, making sure that. But how people book a ticket? I mean, we're we're playing with all sorts of ideas. Like, like uh, not when you subscribe, you're not necessarily subscribing to a particular show, mm. a date. Uh, you'll have a yes. couple of preferences, and we will come back to you a couple of months before. Is that is that a, we'll, one of the plans? We, we we don't necessarily know yet if it will be a long season or a short season for a show. That's going to depend on how the health restrictions. And the, how many people want to see it. Absolutely. Yeah. And there'll be a certain point um, before the show where we'll, we'll, we'll know now that, okay, this is, this is a long one. Mm -hmm. That's justified. And uh, subscribers will then find out their, 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 their exact seat. Now, look, it is, a it is a fascinating thing, and the way it's evolved over the last, I suppose, over the last 20 years has also been about the companies building, well, they built the buildings, apart from, apart from the Bill Brown, which is beautiful and new, um, the buildings, the institutions of the companies are built, and then it's actually, there's been time and space to look at the real company, which is the audience, and how we build infrastructure around supporting that audience experience with us. Mm. Uh, there's been time and people... Uh, and this particular tool that has facilitated a, a, a bigger conversation around what it is that we, what our relationship to audience is. Mm. That's not just come and see this one show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a lifetime of uh, participation. And it is a two-way street, you know, that our audiences who are, we're not simply broadcasting to them shows. 
their involvement with us over time facilitates the construction of those shows and influences what those seasons are. Yeah. Oh no! Look, it's it is an amazing look. It is an amazing time. As as frightening as this year has been as a theatre company, insofar as what's been lost and devastating in the cancellation of shows from from artists' point of view and looking at the artistic community struggling to you know pay rent and feed the kids. It, it is an extraordinary time mm. in the, the true sense, out of the ordinary time. And in that time, there is so much to think about. And, and it relies on all of your years of experience and then a layer of invention. Yes. So, yeah, fascinating. To find a path, yeah. yeah. Okay, so 15 years ago, mm. did you think you'd be doing this now? I absolutely fell into it, which yeah. is so interesting. And, and it's actually interesting thinking about the transition that we're in now and that we're at the cusp of the start of that transition. When I started, it was over at QPAC, actually, at their ticketing office. And uh, the internet web sales was a new phenomenon. You know, the internet wasn't <laughs> new yet, but it uh, wasn't new at that point. But, but people had only just recently started converting and buying online. And I remember at the time, um, find it quite annoying when people would book online. It was, it was more difficult. But of course, now that's just taken over and transformed how we operate and that we're now moving into a new transition and I think that um, the the way that uh, a lot of our sales work and our ticket sales work for example it's, it's almost as though we're um, from a sales perspective and an e-commerce company now that we're selling digital products digitally it's just that it comes out with a performance outcome yeah. at the end for the audience in the theatre yeah I think that's a fascinating trans transformation over time it is amazing and now it's also that, that fascinating thing about thinking uh, People are in the phase of learning how to enjoy performance in their house. Yes. As we go into a digital subscription, a digital season, I watched in this, in this year the very rapid adoption. Of, I, I feel a bit sorry for the guys at Zoom. They're they, like this minor, like not very successful company um, who suddenly exploded. exploded and where everybody was getting angry at them for the, the, the limitations. They're like, it was never meant to do all yeah. of this. It wasn't meant to be people's answer to the huge problem. But as people have got used to that, so it's actually, I think, pointed them towards possibility for being open to digital, a digital subscription in a way that they may not have been before. Yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting. I mean, when I, I've attended those the Play Club readings mm -hmm. and... Uh, I wouldn't have assumed that it would have been, uh, I, I thought it would have been interesting, a nice alternative. But having actually participated in it uh, as an audience member, I love it as a standalone. It's its own thing, isn't it? It's its it? own thing. Yeah. Uh, and an absolutely different experience. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to come to the theatre. No. Or it's just, it's this own thing that I can have in my house. And I go, and sometimes I'll be interested in it, sometimes I won't be. Uh, but it was like watching Hamilton. Mm. Uh, absolutely. Which was extraordinary. Uh, interestingly, it makes me want to see the show much more mm. to yep. actually go experience it live. Yeah. I loved seeing it, but it doesn't mean I, ha I think I've seen the show. I just want to see it. You know, it's yeah. like playing an album again. Yeah, yeah. And I love that I can watch it again. Well, I, I always go back to the relationships as well and the yeah. way that, um, that digital theatre, in this case mm. our digital subscription, can be enjoyed in a way that's very different to enjoying it in a theatre. Mm -hmm. And they, again, are different experiences. Oh, very I can different. Absolutely and our behaviour is really different too. Yeah. The, that thing of of receiving story in your private space. Yes, yeah. Uh, but the 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 idea of having uh, a bottle of wine that I've chosen, bucket of chips, and four of my best friends enjoying a show in mm -hmm. a context where we can talk about it, is exciting. As is the actual live moment, which is, is obviously irreplaceable. Yeah. yeah. 
but they're, they're different things. Mm. Yeah, if I want to have a theatre party at my house yeah, with my digital subscription, I'm going to yeah. have 10 people over. I mean, we can have dinner and show yeah. in my living room Perfect. with my big screen TV and we can actually talk the way through it so we don't actually have to behave the way we do in the <laughs> theatre. Or I can watch some things that are very, like, very intimate mm. stories. You know, I can watch sitting on my, my couch in my pyjamas mm. and have a cry. The thing <laughs> that always gets me is when I, I see a show and sometimes I'll tell a friend, oh, you've got to see this show, and they don't. Well, now I can actually force them to see that show. I can invite them over, put it on the screen. And say, watch this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to watch this and enjoy it with oh, me. No, it's true. It's true. And I've been saying that to people with Hamilton. I'm mm. like, and they're like, oh, yeah, I haven't got there yet. I'm just, watch it. Yeah. Watch it. It's amazing. Mm. And being able to see that, being able to advocate for great experience mm. is, is actually a really wonderful thing. Mm. I think people who, who go to the theatre a lot like being able to be that in our society, to be able to say to their friends, go see it. Mm. Yeah. So, of course, next year we're not going to be able to have a digital, a complete digital package, mm. so it's not every play. So it'll just be a handful of plays next year. But if they go well, we'll be doing it, it more. And if it, go, if it grows, it will become international. And then I kind of go, over time, it's a different thing, so how does that change people's behaviour and how do we tailor our communications around that? And that's... Well, That's the yes. bottom as well. It's it is. fascinating. It yeah. is fascinating. And it's, it's interesting to be in the inner workings of that rather than just on the receiving end of it. Mm. And so that's, what, that's why I was excited to have a conversation with you about <laughs> it. But it is interesting, isn't it? Like your, your job didn't really exist 20 years ago. No, no. Your job was hived inside the development manager. Uh, it was dispersed. It dispersed, yeah. Role. Um, and again, I, I go back to that conversation I had recently with my colleagues getting together and... When I say we found it difficult to encapsulate what our role was, somehow it came up in the conversation, how do you describe what you do to your mum? And <laughs> no one could, you know, and uh, it was interesting what everyone's mothers thought they did. You know, mine thinks that I just sell tickets, which of course is part of what I do, but it's, it's a yeah. lot bigger than that. Um, and, and encapsulating what um, the diversity that comes with using software to augment and ameliorate how we communicate with people and build our relationships with people and and achieve outcomes with people, you know, be that a performance outcome, a ticket, or a cancellation, if that's the case, um, is very diverse. Yeah. And, and, and you never know really how you're going to tackle that problem until you get into it and really break it down. And that thing of making, trying to imagine, this is how I imagine you work. You imagine yourself as a person who wants to see something. Yes. Yeah. And you imagine encountering, like the questions that you would be asking as that imaginary person and the, and the things that would aggravate you or appeal to you and you kind of try to make it as easy as possible mm. and then you invent backwards from that. So you're imagining yourself as the audience. So in a funny way, you're the first audience yeah. member. It's interesting. I often get asked uh, if I'm an actor because I go around town often in my Queensland theatre company shirt. I'm like, no, 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 I'm firmly in the audience and I enjoy my place there. But uh, I often think back to my time when I started selling tickets over the phone at QTix when web sales were very new yeah. and, and, and not very good. You know, you couldn't choose your own seat, for example. Oh, it was horrible. It used to be terrible trying to book a ticket online. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember at that time um, when it was very new thinking uh, that you should be able to do online everything you can do over the phone with the care of a person taking care of you. And obviously when you talk to a person, they can achieve any sort of outcome. Uh, I don't know if we can achieve just anything online, but I think for most of our customers and most of the problems they encounter, we have gotten and, and try to remain at a place where... Uh, you can self-serve digitally and achieve the outcome that you need and achieve the same level of care that is personal, that's the same as if you were talking to someone on the phone who was taking care of you personally, as well as having the no, option of... And, and I find that when I go to different, different companies and I book tickets in different places, you kind of feel taken care of. Mm. 
you kind of go, that was an elegant experience. And that's what we're hoping for, isn't it? Something where you go, oh, yeah, that actually worked and flowed quite easily. Yes. And, I, and, and then there are, other, there are other processes where I kind of, I, I resist yeah. going to them because I go, oh, that's just going to, it's just, there's something that doesn't quite fit. And we don't want to be one of those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then ultimately for that not to happen, there is a human, you, instinctively sitting inside it, trying to shape it, trying to direct it into something that actually is a good, a good experience. A good experience. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting when we were, and this is just a recent example, when we were designing the, um, the online version of how a customer could request a cancellation of their ticket or convert that into a donation, for example, the number of iterations we went through of the flow, the decision tree mm -hmm. that arises from that interaction uh, was so complex. And how to, how to communicate things in a way that was concise, clear, that, uh, that a customer who didn't necessarily, who hadn't been sitting in my seat for the past three months could look at this briefly and understand, okay, I understand what's happening, I understand what I need to do, I understand how to achieve what I want to achieve. Uh, again, it was a fun process to go through to design that path. And we're going to go into that again, designing the path of how a customer will join us for 2021 soon. Because again, that's going to be very different to how a customer how, has joined us before. In the, before, yeah. But, and it's interesting because everybody knows it'll be different and mm. expects it to be different. Mm. But how do we actually again make it a good process? Mm. Uh, so that ultimately we can get to the theatre quite happily. Yeah. yeah <laughs> or yeah. to the digital subscription. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. And I'm looking forward to that conversation because what happens, everybody at home, what happens is I kind of go, oh, what if we do this? And then there's this trickle down to you and you kind of go, oh, how do I build that? Yeah. And then you come back to me and say, this is how it would go. And I go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, uh, but what about? Oh, but what about <laughs> this? And you go, oh, yeah, right. Do you find you wake up at like 2 o'clock in the morning Absolutely. and just go, oh, my God, what if this? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing when the inside, I, I often, uh, I'm always trying to crash through to the simplest solution because uh, I have a tendency, you, you know, when you have a hammer, every problem's a nail. Yeah, yeah. So when, when you have the ability to manipulate software, you obviously, you, you, you immediately go to a complex software driven solution. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas sometimes you find that breaking that down to the simplest is, is the best way forward. And it's not always obvious how to get to that simple, elegant solution, but those crash through moments where you suddenly realise there is no need <laughs> for that level of complexity. One little tick box, submit, there we are. You know, there are so many moments like that on stage as mm. well, where you're trying to figure out how to do this great effect, how to pull this moment off, and then you just kind of go, sometimes it's just a distract. Mm. Um, you know, there was this, this great thing where someone had to age, age 20 years in a moment, the playwright writes that, you know, oh, for God's sake, okay. <laughs> and ultimately, to pull it off, what we did is make a loud noise on one side of the stage. This there fake they... <laughs> event happened. Everybody turned that way and the person shift, pulled a wig off. Love it. No one saw it happen. Live yes. on stage, no light shift, no nothing. Yep. It was just big old-fashioned. Yep. And that moment where we crashed through and kind of realised mm. it could be that simple and that we would get away with it, you mm. just go, oh, this is great. how we do it. And it's an exciting moment. moment. Yeah. The exhilaration you feel when you suddenly realise you have that insight it crystallises in your mind and you can see how it works. The simplicity. Ugh. When you find a simple moment, you yeah. just go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have um, endless notepads and on my phone endless notes that are cryptically half-written, which are those crash-through moments that you just got to hang on to it. Yeah. And then sometimes you go back to it and realise how silly that crash-through moment was. You've got to crash through somewhere else. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. that was never going to work. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But it was not. It was good. I thought yeah. that was the moment I thought that was going to, but actually, no. Mm. It, the, sometimes it is just that complicated. Mm. And you just mm. got to grind through all the layers mm. of it. And you kind of mm. go, and that's what you're building as well. Mm. Mm. But then sometimes time crashes through. Yeah, You know, absolutely. five years from now, there will be things mm. that, and this time, 
Well, in times of great crisis is where there's a great invention and you just go, there will be things that come out of this time that will transform the way we think mm. for the next reach of time. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to going on that journey with you over the next, Very the next chunk next, of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank thanks you. for this conversation. And thanks for everybody else who's, who's joined us and listened, listened to the inner workings of, of how, we're, how we're dealing with this, the time that we're finding ourselves in and anticipating the planning of, of new and positive times when we can actually be back in the theatre enjoying live performance. Thanks so much for listening to Quality Time. Please rate and review it and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at QLD Theatre. You can visit our website, queenslandtheatre.com.au to sign up to our e-news and learn more about the stories we'll be sharing next. We hope to see you at the theatre again soon. Bye!